Director of Gisborne Health Essentials. Hi, and today we have joining us Daryl Mitchell, and Daryl is a practitioner of Chikung, is his favourite thing to do. Um, also kinesiology and Bowen therapy as well, and also feng shui and house blessings and many, many different things um, that Daryl has done over the past nearly 30 years is my guess, is that correct? Yes, <laughs> maybe even longer than that. Time. <laughs> it's like forever. So how did you end up doing, especially the Qigong? A lot of people don't even know what Qigong is. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Uh, I think it started for me in martial arts, because I'll, I'll do that quickly, but as a kid I wanted to get fit, and uh, so I started doing martial arts. And I think I was inspired by the, the television series at the time, Kung Fu, and I loved the monk cane because he was part healer, he was part monk, and he was part warrior, and all of that ticked boxes for me. Uh, and so was, that's how you ended up doing martial arts? And I started doing martial arts. And how old were you when you did martial arts? Probably late teens. I think mm -hmm. I started late, unlike the Shaolin monks who started really young. Yeah. But I started late, uh, and the only martial art around at the time for me was uh, Taekwondo, so that's what I did. But I found gave me great confidence, great skill, was good for fitness, but eventually it didn't tick the box that I wanted, which was that sort of bald-headed monk wandering the landscape, you know, healing people and, and having all these wise sort of Chinese conversations with his master, you know, so, and the energy side, the, the healing and side. So was that from the TV program, from you watching the TV program? That was from program. me watching the series Kung Fu <laughs> That's with great. David Carradine. And what they did, like they, they were just monks wandering around. Well, it was him. He left the Shaolin Temple and wandered, yeah. the, wandered the countryside eventually and ended up in America, which is so unrealistic. But, <laughs> and he would always save the day, of course. And that's so it was always, inspiring to you. And that's what you wanted to end up doing. So that's how you ended up doing martial arts. And then you've, how did you find then the energy cultivation side of martial arts? Because a lot of people don't. No, they don't. And in the West, we don't get that. And I think because I was really mad on it, I was really into it. I would buy any magazine I could find and in there occasionally... As a child, as a teenager. As a young teenager, yeah. magazines yeah. On, on martial arts, martial yeah. arts world, whatever it was. Yeah. And there would be articles on chi and I didn't know what it was at the time and I went, oh, what's this, right? So that was, I, I spent an inordinate amount of money buying magazines just to find a five, you know, a tiny little paragraph on chi. And that was my interest, and I started experimenting because Bruce Lee was the guy at the time, and you know. So was he on the program, the TV no, program? No, no. Or did he come later? He came later. So the movies that you watched. Yeah, with, the movies, yeah. and Bruce Lee was a great inspiration. But one of the things he did was a thing called a one-inch punch, right? Which was all about chi and how he could knock someone across the room. And, and I thought, and you liked the idea of that? Well, no, not <laughs> really. But I was fascinated in the idea of chi, and thought, well, is, is it real? How do you do it? So I actually practiced it, and I did it. With a so very what did you do? well, I practiced how to do the one-inch punch. Yeah, but what is the one-inch punch? Well, it, <laughs> you get someone to hold one of the focus mitts that boxers hit. You know, you hold on your hand. And okay. you, they hold it up against their body, and you bring your hand only the finger distance away, and you have to use projection and breathing and all that, and just do a short movement. 
and have enough power in that to have an effect, right? To have an effect on what? The, the person that you're striking. So you're striking a person with a one-inch punch. With so one-inch punch. You're an inch away and you... And you generate and you enough punch power. And then they go flying. Yes, well, okay. mine didn't go flying, <laughs> but the fellow I worked with was ex-army and he was when I was training initially in Taekwondo, he was a force, this guy, very strong. Right? Mm. So he came up and I was doing a lot of training and the time he came up to train where we were doing it and I said, look, I've got this thing I'm working on. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay. And I said, just hold this here, right? That's and I did this and I went whack and he hit the deck. And, wow. And he staggered back up and I went, oh my goodness. And because... How much did you practiced it? Not much. Like... I was just doing it on bag, heavy yeah. bags. Yeah. But then what that did was made me realize this is real. I don't fully understand it. Mm. I don't want to be knocking people over. And it, it was sort of a transitional time for me being more monk-like, less warrior, and thinking, well, why am I training to be a fighter when I'm interested in healing? Yeah, but what did this only from the program that you watched as a child? So... <laughs> Yes, what did this guy think of you when you did knock him over? Like he obviously wasn't expecting he that. He wasn't expecting it. His legs buckled, he went down, he staggered back up and he went, oh my goodness, you know. Did he say anything to you? Was yeah, he like, was a long time what ago. did you just I'm do? not going to say how long ago it was. <laughs> but he, he was in shock that I could do that because he was strong, this guy. Mm. And and I was amazed that I did it at the <laughs> you time. You were probably more shocked than him. <laughs> yes, I was probably more but. shocked. But what it did was make me not want to do it anymore. So I thought, I don't fully understand this, this could really hurt someone. Yep. And so I stopped right yep. at that time. So I did it once. I still want to know how much you practiced that before you did it. Like oh, probably hours? hours, uh, a couple of months of... Because yep. it was partly what you learn in Qigong later, which is about using your mind, breath, so you visualize through the person where you wanted to go. Mm. It's the same idea in karate when you wanted to break a board, you'd never look at the surface, you'd always look through it yep. so that your mind and your energy would go through, right? Yep. Otherwise you'd stop at the top. Yep. And it was the same idea with this, so I'm looking through this guy, mm. I'm breathing, coordinating my breath and feeling, if you like, the breath in my hand. So, you know, I'm putting my mind in my hand, mm -hmm. that the one that's going to strike and then just going whack. Yeah, wow. So <laughs> you then wanna, you stopped teach for a while, that. but then did you have more interest in, in learning properly what that was that you just did and, and I, how to... Yeah, no. I, yes, no. <laughs> this is what we do in Australia. Yeah, no. I wasn't interested in developing a one-inch punch anymore, but I was... In terms of the energy The though, energy side was my fascination that. from that point on. And because I was losing interest in the kicking and the punching and the fighting, which I could do very, very well, but I was never a fighter. I and was, how old were you at this point? Probably at this point I would have been 24. Yeah, so you'd, you'd done a bit of martial arts by 24, this point. 24, 25, yes. Yeah, over the fighting and ready to be a monk. Well, it wasn't quite ready to be a monk, <laughs> but it was so romantic, the idea of it in the robes. And, and you know, I love the Chinese philosophy, you know, like, yeah. you'd say, we had a blind teacher, and his teacher would say, Cain, what is that sound at your feet? And you'd go, I don't know, and you'd stagger and you'd say, Oh, I can hear this, and I can hear that. And he said, do you hear the grasshopper at your feet? Now, it was all these sort of yeah. cute little things that happened along the way that I thought were so poetic. And it made me fall in love with Chinese philosophy. And mm. I think before martial arts, I was already studying the analects of Confucius and Lao Tzu and the Chinese philosophy. So I loved the poetry of it. So when it was did romantic. You... The idea was romantic for me. That's beautiful. When did you end up actually going to China? Well, years year. later, years and years later, years. I had to wait forever wow. and I went to Bali before I went to China and the mm. early traders in Bali were Chinese, right, mm. so and there's a lot of Chinese influence there in Singapore as well, 
I couldn't wait to get to the roots, so I wanted to go to China. And when I went to China, I, I lucked out. Life was very kind and led me to a temple with our hosts who took me to a temple. And my host came running in very excited and said, I found this Qigong master, you know. Wow. <laughs> Did you think he was just making it up? No, I, I was looking for that, so yeah. I was hanging on every word. And mm. I was like, oh, really? And he says, yes, I found the Qigong master. <laughs> so we rush off to this other part of the temple and it was a lady uh, Qigong master. And in, in those days, this was in the 90s now, um, you know, this, this lady's husband worked for her, which was unusual in China, it was very patriarchal then. Yeah. And she ran it, she was the healer, the head healer and the Qigong master. And because I'd been at this stage, we, we jumped a bit, but I morphed into studying about Qi, wanting to be a healer and learn about it from that point of view. And I had a natural, I guess, sensitivity to it, so mm -hmm. I did. So by the time I got to China, I was already teaching some Qigong that I could understand as much as I could understand. I was in the clinic working. And so when I met this teacher, she, the Chinese have a funny way. They go, if you say you can do something, yeah. they want you to demonstrate. Yeah. And they're not being smart about it. They just sort of test you, but they're interested, mm -hmm. you know? And so you don't dare say, oh, I do feng shui, or I do chicken, yeah. unless you can do it. And so I said, well, because my our host said, well, he practices Qigong, you know, threw me in the deep end. Yeah. And, and I said, well, I can read the energy, you know. And she says, okay, so she brings in a client one by one, and, and I, I assisted to say, well, right kidney's not so good, and this, that, and the other. And she was very impressed, and I think more. So we've definitely missed something then. We so did. Yeah. <laughs> when did that start? How did that start? Uh, oh. I think if I look back on it in hindsight, I was always sensitive as a child. I could feel things that were going on without hearing them. I could tell if there was uh, an argument between my parents or mm. something happening without hearing it. So I, Which I was, is very common, especially for children these days as well. In, in yeah. These days, yeah, certainly. Yeah, I yeah. was an oddball in, at the day. Back though. then, but it's very common now. It's common. And so then how did that develop into you actually being able to... I think uh, the the environment stuff like feng shui and geomancy, you know, uh, underground water courses and you know, earth radiations and all that was all in sync. I had an interest in healing, interest in the earth energy and feng shui, and it all led to me to develop the sensitivity, work with very simple tools to feel the energy between my hands, and uh, start experimenting, working with people and seeing if I got results. And I did. And I thought, oh. Alright, so maybe there's something to it. Mm. But I was a novice in the yeah. early days for sure. Okay, so then she brought you in. No, she brought people in for you to assess. Yeah, I was horrified. Initially. Yeah, I bet you were nervous. I was nervous. Wow. Um, and t did you pass? Yes, with flying colours, apparently, <laughs> and we're lifelong friends. And I actually miss, I haven't been to China since 2012, and I miss mm. her. Yeah. She's a beautiful, beautiful lady, a devout Buddhist. Not that that's going to do it, but she's a very gentle, beautiful soul and very elevated as sensitive to energies too, which was great for me you know, to be around her and watch her work and put us to the test uh, and pass. Mm. And so then what did you, did you learn anything from her? Not specifically, we didn't have a lot of time, but I, I was fortunate to spend some time with her in her energy and, and through an interpreter discuss Qigong and, yeah. and what she did and how she did it and what I was doing and whether she, like, she could give me advice, which she did. We also was fortunate to run into a lady in Melbourne. We had friends who ran an art shop in Little Burke Street. 
And I was in there one day looking for feng shui music to play in my centre. And this lady says, they did the same thing to me. She says, well, you do qigong, don't you? I said, yeah. She says, well, I have a famous, a very elevated qigong master here. And of course, I'm, I'm going white at this point, right? So she comes out. And I'm thinking, what she, she's probably sussing me out and looking at me and working out whether my energy's any good. And through an interpreter again, I, I jumped all over this chance and invited her out to where we were teaching in Ringwood at the time. And uh, she passed on Jun Chi to me, and that's how I met that. And she was, I found out she was Vice President of the World Association of Medical Chigun. Mm -hmm. She had done several books on diabetes and heart disease and had tested the blood sugar before and after her sessions doing Jun Chi and had great results. So she was an inspiration for me and I, I badgered her enough that she could pass on Jun Chi to me. And I practiced it and I've done it ever since. Mm -hmm. So it's a motionless meditative style of Qigong, which you can also use for healing. And do you use it for healing? I use it. It's one of my tools that I love. Yeah, yeah beautiful. So this wow. some of my past. Yeah, great. And then did you, um, from there, just develop other ideas or...? I think so. I, I, had, I had a question. So once I have been to China, I, I fell in love with the old culture, the old ways, the food, the smells, the music, the teachers. Modern China is a crazy place, right? But I sought out the old, you know, mm. the authentic things. Yeah. And so I learned from different teachers and I learned from a, a 25th Grand Master in Australia early on who was fantastic. And so I was fortunate enough to meet great people here mm -hmm. and over there and study different systems of Qigong. And that's just my mind. I do that. And I mean, the Chinese generally don't. They stick with one teacher. Yeah. Well, in the Western world, we don't do that. We do don't we? do that. We just draw from <laughs> everywhere. But I think the point to that, though, is that what you've done, like you've really, you know, it's a lifetime of studying this. It's not that's just true. a weekend course. It's not just a year course. This is no. completely understanding the energy behind what you do, um, which unfortunately in the Western world we don't often do, do we? We, we move no. on, we learn something, we move on, we might teach it for a little bit, move on to something else. So, you know, it's, it's been good, good for me because yeah. I've studied many things since and it has always been, it's never gone away. It's been my foundational stone, not only working to assist others in, with health concerns, but the beautiful part about it is your own cultivation, your own benefit, your own health. And that's mm. primarily what I wanted it for too, was being a sickly child and wanting to say, well, I didn't like doctors much, they kept me alive, but my investigations and being into natural health, etc., really changed my health, you know. Rather than just being alive from the doctors, I actually became healthy and mm. more mindful and vegetarian and other things that you know, changed my life greatly. And Qigong was, and still is, the foundation for me in that. Now, that, because it I was could interested. be the foundation for a number of people, really. It, like it's it is around the many world. people. Yeah. It is around the world, right? There are millions. I think the estimate was like something like 20 million or more Chinese any given time doing Qigong alone mm. in China. So That's not just, Tai Chi, actually. No, just Qigong. Wow. That's a lot of people yeah. on any given day. Is it Tai Chi, though, that they do in the mornings? Or could that be Qigong that you it, It's a bit of both. And Tai Chi is born out of Qigong for people who don't mm. know. I mean, the founder of Tai Chi. Zhang Zongfeng, it was 800, only 800 years ago that Tai Chi came into being. Uh, and Qigong goes back three to 5,000 years. Mm. It's a long, long history. It's the of, foundation of all those Chinese arts. Yes, it underpins yeah. Chinese medicine and Kung Fu, uh, you know, and Feng Shui, you know, 
the understanding of chi is feng shui, which is part intellect and all the calculations and the sensing of the energy and what to do with it. Yeah, great. Which we don't teach much in the West. I think that's why I love Qigong because it taps into, you know, one of the famous teachers says Qigong is the human science. It's it's our place in the universe and and tapping the human potential is a, a great area of research mm. for people who are really into Qigong. Seriously. So I want to go back now to go back. <laughs> we've jumped all over the place. Moment where the oh, you like the punch. Punch. I like the one inch punch. Only to understand, well, where did you go from there? So you, you were young, you didn't understand what you were working with. How did you investigate further? Where, where did you go from that? Well, that, there's a bit of a blank there. It's a long time ago. <laughs> but what happened, I think, I moved out of martial arts because I got myself into a situation where I shouldn't have got myself into. And I realised once I was in that situation, which ended up being a fight, that I had no place being there. I mean, I had all the skills to decimate this character in front of me, right? But I had no desire to. I was mm. like, what am I doing here? I'm here now. And but in terms of cultivating that, <laughs> the energy stuff. I had to move away from martial arts first. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's what happened. So I yeah. moved away and said I dropped it completely. I stopped training overnight. Mm. But my my inquiring mind said what is this thing? So I guess I was interested in, in yoga in the early days and pranayama, or yoga breathing, and I had a book on it back in the day, and I was, I was actually doing what you guys call box breathing. I oh, yeah. listened to one of your like pod, podcasts yeah. about it, the one you did yeah. with Cassie. And I was doing that type of breathing back then, which was actually 10, breathing in for 10, holding for 10, yeah, breathing out really for 10, holding for 10. Yeah. It was really, but what happened is I started floating almost above the bed when I was doing it and I realized that the breathing and the chi or the breathing and the prana in yoga, the breathing and the chi were all linked and so I started practicing meditation through breathing, mindfulness and that led eventually to me being increasingly more sensitive to a feeling in an environment, in myself and others mm -hmm. to the point now where I can look at someone and say, oh, the right kidney's not so good, whatever, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and it's not a medical thing, it's that I can see and feel the energy instantly, mm -hmm. which becomes a bit of a party trick because people will say, oh, tell me about it. <laughs> like and I just like, did? Hey, yeah. yeah, no, 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 it's <laughs> not something that's on all the time thing, yes, yeah. or you yeah. a mess, right? And also it's a matter of permission. It's a permission well. thing, yeah. and it's a matter of and being it's not in the like your, you know, like you said about when you first met that chibol master and wondering whether or not that they're, they're reading you. It's yes. the same with people around you. You're not reading people around no. you. You know, but I have you no interest in that. That's right. And so it's not about that. It's you turn it on when you need to turn it on. For yeah, your work. and, and yeah. you could say you turn it on in that sense, but it's really like anything, you know, preparing for a client. That I, I need to be in the right space. I need to have the right amount of rest. It's not. It's not a skill that's just infinitely on tap. Yeah. And the better I'm rested, the, the, the better I'm more doing Qigong, the more peaceful I am. If I'm eating well, my sensitivities are heightened and I'm in a much better place to be able to do that well. Because for me, I don't, I don't want to do it unless I do it well. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I'm kidding myself and the clients. There's no point me saying to them, oh, look, you know, you're kidding me. If it's not real, not actual, and also if I can't do something about it, there's no mm -hmm. point me telling them what's off if I can't flip that off to on. 
So that's the other part. One is the sensing of it, and the other is, well, now what do you do about it? Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to study. Because and so that's what you then cultivated. What, what can I do? What can I do about yeah. it, and how do I do it? And so I had great interest in Chinese medicine, and I had many times in my life I wanted to go and study it, but I just never wanted to just do that. I was more interested in getting a very broad understanding of qi and, and what it meant and how to use it. Yeah, great. So you love what you do, you're still doing it, still obviously, doing so it. you must love it, still do. which is great, and there's such a great need for it, you know, even more of a need, really, for these foundational principles. I think in early days, like I mean, many people, when you start doing healing work, is that you want to heal the world and you think your thing is the only thing, and there was a point where I may have had an arrogance about it, but I thought, no, I'm not interested in naturopathy or any of those things, like, you know, go away, this is the real deal, right, this is all about being getting your chi right. But you you do, and also you realise that there are many um, uh, horses for courses and, and many different tools in the kit, a hammer's different tools, screwdriver, etc., right, and so I had a client today and I was talking about you and saying basically I think, look, I'd like to see you in a month because, mm. uh, you know, financially, etc., for this person, but I said what I think next time is that you actually go and see Lisa because I, I'd like you to look at your nutritional mm. things. So for it's me, all it's all yeah. this hand, yeah. you know, handing over, handballing and assisting, it's a and synergistic approach. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more there now than I was. I had to be self-reliant in the past and run everything myself and it's good working in a team mm. where I can relax a bit, I don't mm. have to run everything. And so with the Qigong classes, I'm still stuck on the one no, inch punch. No, do it. We're not going to do that. Sorry, we're not going to do that in Qigong class here. But is that something that the that you cultivate in that Qigong class? So um, Cassie and I were talking about it the other day. I don't know how long we've been doing the classes here for now. Not that long. We started in December, so maybe a bit longer. Oh, and then we had a break. Yeah, maybe two months. But already, so we've noticed a difference in terms of our energy. Cassie's no noticed a difference with me, so that's a good thing. Um, just in terms of the ability when something happens, you know, say in the shop or clinic, um, my ability to just bounce back and still be on and not be exhausted. And so, and then Cassie was the same, saying that she feels that, you know, in her everyday life, she's coping so much better. I see it in Cassie too. And that's a beautiful thing. And so that's is good that feedback. that's great. But is that what we're meant to be cultivating when we practice jiggle? Is yes, it's not linked to the orange punch and it was an interesting <laughs> segue. Uh, well no it is in a way because it's all about well how do we cultivate this? How do we It's yeah. interesting because years ago I went and taught one of the top kinesiology colleges in Melbourne. And there were about 17 people there, and I was nervous. And I thought, well, these are all skilled kinesiologists, right? They're probably all muscle checking under the table, me as I walk in. And no, I they probably weren't. They probably weren't, but they you were know, probably that was me. Of you, like. And I said to them, why am I here? What do you hope to get out of it? And I went around the group, and they introduced themselves, and they said, well, when I'm in the clinic for half an hour, I get exhausted. I take on clients' energies mm -hmm. and their negativities. Uh, and this was the theme, and I said, well, that's because your, your energy isn't strong enough to withstand the release into the environment when you're working with clients. Mm -hmm. And this is why Qigong is important, because it's building, the way I describe it is the, your energy field is becoming tighter, softer, finer, but more closely knit and stronger, in a way, at the same time. It's like a contradiction. It's finer, softer, but it's stronger. So it's like those, um, what's the armor going back to like the shows that you 
Well, it's kung fu. Kung fu. <laughs> it's like that, you know, maybe silver thread kind of armour over the yes, body. Yes, yes. Protecting it, but soft and... And because it's an energy too, the body has to adapt to it. I call it energy fitness, is that when you first start doing it, there's some sort of Herxima reaction or detox that occurs with people because it's assisting the liver and kidneys and the energy systems to wake up a bit. But your ability, in other words, almost like a beam of light coming in, in a sense you could say. When you first start, it's a tiny little light and your body handles so much and then you integrate. Right? And then over time, your energy fitness increases naturally and you start to notice that because you're more resilient, you can do longer Qigong sessions without being fatigued. And so in a sense, this beam is widening and your ability to function with it is, is growing. Mm. And that's great. And there can still be those. Well, I guess we've only been doing it for a couple of months. But in the last Qigong class, you had us all holding this uncomfortable stance for 10 minutes. And 10 minutes doesn't sound like a lot. And your watch, I feel like we're back at... Um, School at the moment because your oh. watch keeps shining. Oh, 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 it's like this deliberate shining in the eye. To the teacher, let's just like shine. Yeah. There's no watch. These are not the droids. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were in a really uncomfortable stance. And I think we? we. Okay, so everyone else in the class, when I opened my eyes, which you weren't meant to do. <laughs> They still had their eyes closed and they looked pretty relaxed and I wasn't. I noticed that. In the, in the past, so um, I have done some triple with Daryl. So this is how I know Daryl um, from over 20 years ago now. Yes, I yes. found Daryl in Warrandai. I was living in Nanawadi and working in the corporate world and really was desperate for um, some meaning in life, I guess. So I'd done my four-year double business degree. I thought I was on top of the world and this is it and this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and um, started on like, oh, hang on, <laughs> this isn't what I thought it would be and just didn't fulfill me inside. So I started looking um, and found Daryl because I loved Warrandyte. I loved visiting Warrandyte and I thought, well, he lives in Warrandyte. So <laughs> therefore, this might, <laughs> this must be right. And I started with Feng Shui, just a correspondence course, and that wasn't enough because, um, because I kind of understood it, I kind of got it. And then I think the next thing I studied with you was Reiki, actually, because I completely, completely didn't understand what it was. I had no idea what I was in for, and that's what I wanted. <laughs> but that's what I wanted, that um, experience where you don't understand what you're doing. You're completely out of your comfort zone and learning something that you don't understand. And I actually got hooked and did Reiki 2 and 3 and Masters yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then started attending Qigong class and then did, um, what was the next one? Like Qigong, some Qigong. I did kinesiology yes. as well. And Qigong, Qigong kinesiology. Qigong kinesiology. Yeah, and um, really, really loved it. But now I've forgotten what I, where I was going. <laughs> uh, what was that point? Yes, good. this but, is a good point. You can help us out on this one. <laughs> what was your point? So I've remembered where we're up to here. And we were talking about me being really uncomfortable in the stance the other night. And my point to the whole story about I've done this before and I've known you for over 20 years 
is that I've done uncomfortable stances before. I don't think I've ever coped really well. And we have been, I have been overseas with Daryl before to, uh, where was that really? Hyman. Hyman, oh my gosh. When we were in the most, un was it that same stance? That where was you've got three centers merging <laughs> so on the rooftop with the mosquitoes. For one hour. Uh, in the same position and so our legs were bent, legs were bent and um, you had to hold your arms out. It was really uncomfortable and you were stuck there. And stuck there. So, <laughs> and you weren't stuck there. You chose to be stuck there. Yeah, everyone else was stuck there so you stayed, right? Yeah, so just like I experienced the other night, so even though I have a history of doing this, it still brings up my stuff. So 10 minutes in that one position, whether or not it was memories from back 20 years ago, which potentially it was, it brought up my stuff. So I went to go to bed that night and it was like my cortisol was raised just from doing that 10 minutes right. in that one position and being uncomfortable, but at the same time not wanting to escape. And I, maybe that's the difference now when you've done something like this for so long, you can stay in that present moment for a lot longer. So I guess when you're beginning, maybe this is what it was the other night, for other people that haven't been doing it for as long, maybe this is why they could do it, because they could escape the present moment. They didn't have any memory of it. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> but that whole idea, and I guess that's the thing when you've done it, when you've been doing this work for so long, I didn't want to escape from that because if I'm going to be holding this uncomfortable position, I wouldn't be making the most of it. I want to be cultivating that energy. I want to see the what were we doing again? I think the earth energies were coming up, the heaven was coming down, and the horizon was well meeting us yeah. at the center. And so I wanted to continue that. I wanted to stay with that image. So easy to go off and you know what what am I doing after this? Yeah. What have I done today? And who you know what am I doing tomorrow? It's so easy or just thinking about anything else other than that but then is that a waste I, I no. thought it was a waste no, actually but waste. next time is that what I should do when I'm uncomfortable well you can endeavor to wander off but the <laughs> truth is when you are in a position for a period of time like three centers merging which is a standing pole position you will get uncomfortable because you're not used to it we're not used to it right and so our stuff, they say the unsung human stuff comes up, all your unresolved things. So you can start thinking about the groceries all you like, but mm. you'll be brought back to you because of your being uncomfortable yeah. and having to adjust your posture and the teacher reminding you to relax, relax, etc. So you only wander so far because then you are reminded along mm. you're standing that you are standing because you go, oh, my shoulders are hurting a bit, you know, my, my feet are hurting a bit. I guess that is actually another benefit over doing just a sitting or even a lying down meditation when yes. you, where you basically can fall asleep and no one well, you, no That's one the trouble with lying down, I think. I always fall asleep if I lie down. Yeah, and even the sitting down though, your mind can wander, you're comfortable, except for the um, meditation that we do in Qigong class because you're sitting at the edge of your seat so that you're not comfortable. You're meant to be uncomfortable so you don't fall yeah. asleep really. Yeah. And in and China so you you're, on, you're on hard wooden stools in China mm. on the edge and, and they don't put the aircon on because your pore, you know, they say that your pores open when you're doing Qigong and your, your, sorry, your meridians open and the acupuncture points open so you don't have aircon on so you don't, you don't want to get a chill so you're mm. in hot conditions sometimes on an uncomfortable stool for an hour and a half sitting there sometimes mm. two hours your stuff comes up so your stuff comes up so but you heal it, it that's the point because some of just bringing your stuff up you don't yeah. want that right so it comes back to with it. what are we doing these uncomfortable 
Qigong practices for? For, because the standing pole is the fastest way to build the energy because you're stuck, you're unlocking the joints, you're allowing the energy and the meridians to open and move and flow and so by doing nothing consciously other than just being as relaxed as you can, the energy knows what to do. Mm. So it, it will write itself, you don't have to be guiding it. So it's balancing, balancing the body's energy. Yeah. Yeah. And building it, it's like you're plugging into the universe in a way, recharging the bio battery. And so the more you do it, the more resilience you have to life's things. Well, like definitely that. resilience if you can put up with that stance. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I have more resilience now. Oh, I, resilient. <laughs> I think so. Um, oh, there are some Qigong teachers which I see in class that will just stand in one position, that's the whole Qigong, mm. for one hour, and might be with their arms out yeah. like that. And it's like there's nothing complex in that to learn. No. But that, that is definitely is. hard to do for an hour with your arms out the front. Uh, and they will get, get into this meditative state and build the energy and let it flow and watch the emotions and the, the bits rise and fall. And obviously over time they don't have that happen. They've dealt with it. Mm. So they become more of a peaceful, meditative, one with nature idea. The outer becomes the inner, the inner becomes the outer. Yeah. So Going back again to the one-inch one punch. <laughs> so basically from practicing Qigong, it's almost like, so the one-inch punch is basically you influencing the environment around you with your thought or just with the your energy thought, your you breath and your movement. So yeah. with doing Qigong, is that then that idea of that's, so where we've got our armor on from doing Qigong and we're strong so. and we're soft at the same time, but also we're influencing our environment. Yes, I'll tell you a little story. I used to go out to somewhere like Eastland Shopping Centre, and I remember a story of a healer years ago who was super sensitive on, on his property, and he, people would come to see him and he would do work, but when he went out into the world, he would get sick. And I thought, well, that's not good. But it showed how fine his energy was. But from a Qigong point of view, that's not good. So I noticed in the early days when I was new to Qigong, I'd go out to somewhere like Eastlands, I was sensitive to energy. And I found within a short period of time, the mass emotional energy of all the people there, I would start to become overwhelmed and feel like I'm shutting down. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this isn't good, so I can only stay so long. Then, over the years... Were you, actually, as a child, would you have felt that overwhelmed as yes. well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which a lot of children, more and more children are finding that overwhelmed. Yeah. And if they yeah. can learn to cope, then they can take all that on. So then, how did you learn to cope and take all that By just doing more Qigong, and it was mm -hmm. just... It wasn't an intention of mine to go back to, to Eastlands or to a shopping centre. But just from doing it all the time and travelling and teaching, and, you know, I guess the years went by, I remember going to Eastlands, sitting there and observing, if I can say this, observing the energy environment, going, yeah, this isn't so good here. And But after half an hour, I started, and this is no ego in this, it's just pure me being an energy scientist, observing, I started influencing and changing the environment without will. I wasn't trying to change it. And this was described to me by one of my teachers as that the human being, whilst doing Qigong, and this applies to the Indian system of aligning the chakras, it's that over time we become the perfect acupuncture needle wherever we go. So we become like a giant acupuncture needle in Feng Shui. You know? So me going there was influencing like a needle going into a meridian to affect the chi. I was affecting the chi of the environment. I thought, do I walk around now? I joke to myself. I said, I walk around with that with a little cat wanting donations. You know, I, I just fix the end. No. But it made a difference. And I 
that was a turning point for me to say, okay, you don't have to be overcome by the environment, which was the same thing I was wanting to teach the kinesiologist about being in the clinic and saying after half an hour or an hour or two hours of being there, you, you don't need to have all this emotional pickup of, of the dross or the negativities that are coming out of your client. You don't need to be picking that up. You don't want to be picking that up. And so by the end, their energy was, was, was strong enough to... Yeah. And, and did of they course, report back to you how they went with clients? Yes. Yeah. And right. I, I did a couple of, I did a basic and more advanced um, teaching over eight weeks or more there, mm -hmm. once a week, and they thoroughly enjoyed it. They were, they were a bit blown away that simple things I could demonstrate to them about how fragile the chi is in the body. Mm -hmm. you know, in kinesiology, they'd get a, a leg up and doing a psoas muscle check, right? Yeah. And I'd say, to, who's got the strongest kidneys in the class? And I'd try to get up the teacher, and he said, mine are always off. He says, get such and such, right? Yeah. The lady comes up, and I do a psoas check, and it's nice and strong, and I blow on the bottom of her foot, just on the that's kidney it. one point, mm -hmm. and the psoas dropped, and I said, that's how fragile chi is. Mm -hmm. So then I had them do very simple exercises, and I went back and challenged that same muscle and blew on the foot and, and dropped. I said, this is what you're after. You're not really after a balance, because for me, a balance means things become unbalanced. Mm. I want to move forward incrementally healing in myself or in others to assist them to move forward, to gain, put money in the health bank and move forward so they're not always going back. Instead of three steps forward and two back, you might have three steps forward and one back, but you're moving forward. And that's, that's just the way I think about it. That's great. In terms of health. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, you don't teach Qigong to children. We've discussed this. <laughs> <laughs> but gosh, imagine, you know, if um, these sensitive children... Could learn. I was a sensitive kid too. Like, it would have been amazing to have when I was a child. It's a um, challenge for someone really... to be able to put it together for children. I don't think a class is the best environment if it could be put yeah. into some sort of video or video. Into some sort of in some sort of put it in a video for kids that's entertaining for kids that has some message about how they can find their center and be influenced by the chi. Yes, but I don't know if that's anything I still get. Yeah, that we Maybe can down the road. look at later, but as adults, we can still pick up the pieces of we can where we pieces. are right now and and practice. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Daryl. Thank I you, think Lisa, that's for the opportunity. <laughs> quite a bit. Um, thanks for, for being here and you can, so Daryl is working in the clinic here as well, so as a Qigong practitioner, also with kinesiology as well and Bowen therapy and does Qigong classes that we don't always stand in the one stands for 10 minutes, no. sometimes we do other things too <laughs> and it really it's it doesn't matter, um, you know, if you're a beginner and you've never done it before, you've been doing it for years, you You'll always get something out of it because it's energy, it. isn't it? It's, it's cultivating your own energy, and yeah, it's a really great start, really, just to do a class and and enjoy the benefits. Enjoy Sometimes it's not the benefits from the first time, and we did have no. one um, one of my friends the first time experience it, you know, feeling like they wanted to vomit after <laughs> after the first class. But that's not common, and that's just <laughs> and that's just that experience of. Um, needing to purge after yeah. new energy coming into the system but um it's beautiful and you feel great and 
generally, other than this week, generally afterwards, you know, I actually know on a Tuesday night not to even bother going to bed at my normal time. You're too I'm wired just, from it. Not yeah. just wired, but energised. Yeah. And even if I have less sleep that night, I still wake up in the morning refreshed. So, yeah. yeah, it's a really good thing and we're thoroughly enjoying having you here. Thank you very much. I love being We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Inspiring Healthy Changes. And as always, we'd love to hear what you think. 